Welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 basketball podcast for now. I'm Carlos at Equity Bar, and joining me, fellow basketball boy, Greg at Bananamorphs. Still sad. Still sad. And also joining us, a special guest, a recurring guest here on No Truck Stops. He writes for Coog Center. He's got his own podcast, Upside Swings, an NBA draft podcast. It's basketball sicko Bryce Hendricks at Bryce Hendrick 14. Uh, I promise I'm even sadder. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Bryce, thank you for joining us. We'll talk about Pac-12 hoops, uh, men's and women's basketball, where we go from here, all that sort of stuff. But first, just a quick reminder to subscribe to our YouTube channel here, like the video, comment with your thoughts. And podcast listeners, don't forget to leave us a five-star five review on Apple and Spotify. Uh, we have gotten many review bombed once again, this time from uh, Greg. Any guesses who we got review, review bombed by? Big 12 fans? Big 12 fans, that's right. Uh, but we we do have a very lovely review from a Wazoo fan. He writes, as a Wazoo fan, I will miss this podcast greatly. Thanks for the enjoyable stretch that was the Pac-12. I don't think we have died yet, but thank you so much for your concern. That is a five-star review. Thank you, our dear Wazoo fan. And another quick reminder, we got to 100 subscribers on YouTube, so our football preview magazine is out to the public uh, to read and enjoy. So go check that out. It's on our Patreon, but you don't need a login or a subscription to access that. It should be totally free. Uh, but if you do want to support the show, consider subscribing to our Patreon. Greg and the gang are doing team-by-team previews. They got the Arizona schools up. I posted that last week. They got a preview of the Bay Area schools for football this upcoming season. So go take a, a look at all that at notruckstops.com. All right, let's get to the basketball part. Uh, we've talked so much about Pac-12 realignment within the context of football. We know football is driving all of this movement, all of this fracturing of tradition, all of this fracturing of history. But men's basketball is a revenue-generating sport, too. Uh, and Pac-12 women's basketball has been elite for quite a long time. Uh, so we thought we would take a, a second here as a podcast that covers Pac-12 hoops, and I think maybe the only one, thought we'd take some time to talk about the Pac-12 hoops angle here. So let's jump to it. Uh, Bryce, let's start with you. What was your initial reaction to the death of the Pac-12, Oregon and Washington leave for the Big Ten, all of the schools, the four corner schools are all, all gone now. What was your reaction uh, as a basketball first fan? You know, I think the first thing that kind of ran through my mind um, was just like a, a deep anger, I guess. Like if I'm being completely honest, it it wasn't really sadness or, or you know, any type of forlorn. That kind of all came later. Uh, at first, it was just I was just really mad. I kind of it, it ruined my day in a way that my, my fiance made me made fun of me for. She was like, you should not care this much about a sports conference. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was, you know, I, I was very I was I, I think, you know, like as someone who is, uh, you know, a, a quote unquote young person. Right. I've, I've had to like live my whole life seeing like capitalism ruin everything. And, uh, you know, one thing I thought was almost sort of untouchable, at least in some ways, was college sports. And it kind of hit me like a truck. Like, And I was one of the deniers, too. Like, I'll be up. Part of why it hit me so hard is I was one of the – I'm like, oh, it's going to – you know, they're going to figure it out. Like, yeah, UCLA and USC are being bozos. They're leaving. But, you know, it, it'll all work out. It's all going to stay together. Like, you know, they'll replace them. They'll figure it out. And I spent so long thinking that, being kind of the optimist. And then when it hit, it, it really hit for me. Greg, what about you? Do you have a what were your initial? Obviously, we talked. We I know your what your, your initial reactions were for football, 
but when your mind shifted and started thinking about basketball, what was the first thing that you thought of? So, if anything, I got more sad about basketball than I did about football. And also, uh, my my boyfriend had a very similar reaction to your fiance, Bryce, when he just relentlessly would not stop calling me a nerd for being so upset. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it was, as a Utah fan, I'm thinking... We're finally starting to like improve again after the rough last five-ish years Utah basketball has had, and now we're going to go to a conference where we're just going to be buried because it's a much better basketball conference. And then I started to think about the other things. The Arizona-UCLA rivalry being uh, a casualty of this is just, it's tragic. Like That's such a good game every year, and it means so much. And the fact that they're going to different conferences, it just... It hurts a lot to not be able to enjoy that quite so much. The Pac-12 tournament in Vegas, we went this last year, unbelievably fun. The fact that we get one more of those ever is just tragic. And then you get to programs like Oregon State and Washington State especially, who I guess maybe this is worse for their football team. It probably is worse for their football team, but just like already such difficult jobs, such you know programs that are just so hard to win at. And it just gets so much worse, which is tragic. Stanford and Cal, I once again just don't really care about. Although I do feel bad. Mark Madsen had a good offseason at Cal and completely overshadowed now. Um, that's that's tough. You might, you might be a great coach, but it's going to be tough to rebuild that program with the limbo they're in. And then you got to think about what happens next. Uh, like... The NCAA tournament has, it's just such a pure, like, everyone loves it. And it's one of those things where everybody gets a chance. Even if some conferences are uh, overrepresent, overrepresented, like the Big Ten uh, in that tournament, everybody gets a chance. If you win your conference, you're in. You get a chance to win a national championship, even if it's not a real chance. But you get a chance to be there. Everybody's going to watch you. Uh, it's... It's such a joyous thing, and it's so sad that, I don't know, realignment happening makes me think that we're just closer and closer to that pure thing being ruined. Yeah. You got a great comment here from Jim Tudor. Arizona and UCLA can still schedule each other if they choose. Kentucky and Indiana, you mean Louisville? Maybe Louisville. uh, Play each other before the conference schedule begins each year, and they are in separate conferences. So they could certainly schedule each other it'll be much harder. I think it's going to require effort versus it just being on the, it's also just different, right? Like, and, and, you know, I like, you're right. Like UCLA and, and Arizona is definitely like the biggest one in terms of prestige, but like, you know, I thought of the apple cup, right. As, as most people do. And um, I don't know that, that, that UW will ever make the trip to Pullman for basketball ever again. I just, after this year, this, this might be the last time. And uh, I like to think that our school have the integrity to not, go over there every year if they don't want to come over here. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely, it definitely means more to have it, have UCLA versus Arizona in February versus have UCLA versus Arizona in, you know, uh, November. It's just a different, yeah. it, it means something different. Yeah. And it has conference implications that so much of the, of the, the, 
tension between those two fan bases, between those two programs. I mean, there's animosity between those two programs because they're both competitive in the same league. It's often a battle for who gets to call themselves Kings of the West. Uh, it, it, it's sort of the UCLA Arizona rivalry will, it was going to change anyway, because UCLA was leaving. Um, but now I think it's going to be even harder, right? Arizona is going to have a really tough conference schedule. Um, Arizona, I think is, it, it's interesting. UCLA may have actually gotten the best deal out of this. And we'll talk about that because Arizona is going to a, a much tougher basketball conference. Um, I'm curious to hear what happens, Bryce, we can start with you. What you think happens to Washington state, Oregon state, Cal and Stanford. We know uh, that Air Oregon, Washington, UCLA, USC, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, we know that they are, all of their sports are leaving for their conferences. I, do you think there's a chance that Washington State, Oregon State, Cal, Stanford join a West Coast conference in basketball only? Uh, where do you think they end up basketball wise, or do you think they just end up following their football teams wherever they go? You know, I do sort of hope that we that this is where we kind of get to see a split. Like, I think it makes sense for, you know, if Cal and Stanford want to go to the ACC for football, fine, I guess. But, like, it really and – and I've made this argument with, like, even UCLA. It does not make sense for these other teams to, to have to play on those East Coast schedules, you know, all the time. Like, it, this is going to, like – like, conference realignment is really going to hurt you know, you, you mentioned basketball as a revenue sport. And while that's true, it's definitely a more marginal revenue sport. And women's basketball is even more so kind of like skirting that line a lot. And it's really going to hurt those sports. And, you know, I, I, I struggle to think as someone who, you know, I, I worked a lot with the WC women's basketball team. And I know WCU is not like realistically in the running for the ACC. But like if they were, I struggle to think about what road trips to Clemson and South Carolina and you know, wherever, like what that's going to be like, it's just a different world, a different type of, you know, vibe. Like I, I thought I took a trip to UC Davis with the team and like, I thought that was hard. It was a lot of flying and, and a lot of, you know, coordination for our wonderful director of basketball operations. Like that just gets infinitely harder. And when you, you know, scale that across every non-revenue sport of which there are more than people even realize um, it gets to be very, very hard. So I, I think my hope would be, yeah, some type of consolidation in the West. And, you know, from a basketball standpoint, like that's not even that, like that much worse than the Pac-12, if we're being honest, like for like WCU and Oregon State and, you know, Cal and Stanford, it's, it's not that much worse because like you mentioned, Greg, guys, teams could just be good and get in. And, and you like to think, I mean, the Mountain West got four teams in, two years ago now. Um, and you like to think that, you know, a West coast conference built around those four teams and San Diego state. And, you know, maybe if you could try and pull a Gonzaga, um, you know, get, get some bigger schools like that, a St. Mary's that are, you know, maybe basketball focused and then go elsewhere for football, but focusing on basketball specifically, like you could still kind of build a pretty competent, maybe not powerhouse, but close to it type conference. Where would you like to see? So you think, do you think the best landing spot for those schools is like a West Coast conference? I, I think for, for my taste, at least for, for, from basketball span, standpoint, specifically not caring about money too much because I don't know about that stuff enough. But like, <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I, I think building, thinking about, you know, WSU from a WSU perspective, because that's the easiest one for me to imagine, like playing against San Diego State and Gonzaga and 
you know, a, a lot of those other California schools that you could pull a Boise state, you know, like that's just, it's a lot easier. It's a lot more fathomable, but it's also like, those are not slouch teams anymore. Like Boise state has made two straight tournaments. San Diego state made the championship game last year. Like this is like, I think the, and this will probably be an unpopular opinion, but I think the transfer portal has actually made it easier for kind of these lower level mid-major teams to build like championship caliber squads. That's why we saw two uh, mid-major type teams in uh, the final four last year, because it's just easier if you, if you kind of know what you're doing, if you really hit on a couple scouts, you can really build those rosters because all these big teams are, are chasing big fish and, there's not a lot of patience anymore with like a guy, you know, who, who's a high major caliber talent, but has to sit for two or three years. So when you kind of put it in that context, I think, you know, you could see a West coast conference. It, it, obviously that might be under a different name, TBD, but you could see that type of conference, you know, produce real championship caliber teams um, in time. So I think that would be my ideal option um, for both men's and women's basketball. Greg, what about you? Where do you where do you where do you feel like you'd want to see Washington State, Oregon State, Cal, Stanford, those basketball programs, man, or women's? Where do you feel like you'd want to see them? Do you want to see them compete with Gonzaga in the WCC? Do you want to see them in the Mountain West against some of the emerging programs over there? Uh, I mean, I ideally you'd be able to. I mean, it's not going to happen. Although, who knows with realignment? It would be nice to have, like Bryce said a conference with both the good WCC schools and the good Mountain West schools with uh, the Pac-4. You know, if they could all join one basketball conference, that would be ideal. Don't know if that's feasible. If it's not, I think I'd prefer the WCC. It just feels, I don't know, it feels better for some reason. I think having a powerhouse like Gonzaga helps. Uh, and there there are other good schools there. You know, it feels like every year there's... Another, at least one other school in the in the WCC who has like risen up and is going to be a real problem in the tournament and that I, th- I like the vibes of the WCC better Mountain West probably has better money because it's a football conference too but I don't care <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I it, it's weird because that is true for men's basketball I don't know what the me- women's basketball landscape looks like out west, uh, I mean, out west women's basketball. It's been the Pac-12. Like the Pac-12 is uh, by far, far and away, I think, the one of the most dominant uh, leagues in the sport. I'm curious to hear from you, Brad. Before we went on here, you talked about Stanford women's basketball and being curious about them. What, what thoughts did you have about Stanford women's basketball and Pac-12 women's basketball, and where everyone else ends up? You know, I've, a lot of people point to uh, the Pac-12 as kind of, you know, like it was the weakest of the power conferences, right? Especially in football and then, you know, in basketball, it was like right next to the Big East or whatever. But, um, you know, in terms of women's basketball, this is like if the Big 12 dissolved, basically. I mean, the, the, it was kind of between the Pac-12 and SEC for like the past five-ish years for like best conference in women's basketball, top to bottom. I mean, last year, the Pac-12 had you know, legitimately like eight, nine teams that were tournament caliber. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's really tough to see. I mean, Stanford is, this is like if, if, you know, a a Duke or, you know, North Carolina were somehow left without a home. Like it's just crazy to think about. And obviously women's basketball is rarely framed as the center of conversation with stuff like realignment. But, um, you know, I, I hope they can kind of weather this storm. Like, 
as much as, uh, you know, it, it's very easy to hate Stanford women's basketball, like uh, just in general, like it's kind of easy to hate all Stanford sports if you if you try hard <laughs> enough. Um, you know, as, as easy as it is to do that, there is like something nice about having this power team, this team that, that is legitimately a, a favorite or top five favorite to win the national championship every year in your conference. Like that means something. It kind of gives you a target to aim for. And, you know, as that kind of dissolves and they're kind of left without a home, I, I don't really know what it looks like because, you know, for, for women's basketball, especially like the ACC is just like, it's hard because women's teams don't really get a charter flights. You know, they don't get, they don't get a lot of that type of, like I said, I, I, you know, I got to see WC women's basketball Dobo work pretty closely and it's hard. You're like looking for like public flights that'll get you where you need to go. You have to like schedule buses and stuff. And it's a lot harder than, you know, a basketball or one of the bigger basketball programs or a football program that can just have their plane, you know, okay, take our plane. We'll meet someone with a bus, you know, scheduled because they're, you know, they really care and they really want us there and whatever. It's just, um, I, I think it would be really difficult. And I, I feel like we're going to see a pretty dramatic fall for Stanford. Um, I would imagine uh, probably a, a budget cut. I'm guessing their head coach will probably leave. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, Grapes makes a great point. Like it, it sucks that they didn't consider, you know, women's sports at all. Like that's the toughest thing. Like WSU just had, what you could argue the most successful season any WSU sport has had since, you know, uh, what's his name? Ryan leaf. Was it Ryan leaf? The, the quarterback. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> like since he was, what's his, my dad was in college, right? That's, he went to college with that guy. Um, you know, like this is the most successful, the, the WSU women's team won the PAC 12. It's the most successful WSU sport has been basically since Ryan leaf was here. And it's, you know, gone to the wayside and we have no idea what it's going to look like. I have no idea if we're going to be able to retain coach Etheridge. I just, it's really too bad. Yeah. It's, it's a bummer. Go ahead, Greg. Women's basketball. I feel like in the PAC 12 is in a very similar place to PAC 12 football, just in that this is about to be an incredible season. Stanford of course is always good. Utah just had their best season in years, maybe ever. I think first time they've hosted a sweet 16, uh, and they're going to UCLA's go favorite season top 10. I think UCLA is incredible. Arizona's always good. This is going to be such a fun year in the conference for women's basketball. And it just gets so much worse because this is the last one, you know, it all goes away after this. It's just tragic. Yeah. It's brutal. Um, and, you know, it's, again, all for money. We have to, we have to, we, every time this conversation comes up, we just have to be very clear all to line some rich folks' pockets, uh, all to line the pockets of media executives. I, I, like, it's not just about, oh, they don't care about the small schools like Stanford, uh, Oregon State, or Washington State in football. It's that they don't care about the, the most successful women's sports, um, like Stanford women's basketball, right? Like, Blue Bloods. I really liked, Bryce, what you said, comparing – Stanford to uh, this is like if Duke uh, or UNC in basketball or like I don't know what like a, a Texas and Ohio State in football being left out in the cold that's what this is like um, and it's it's pretty bizarre to to think about so we'll see I'm kind of looking I just look I don't know just to look at the top 25 and women's basketball it's like the vast majority of these teams came from power five conferences you got a couple of Big East teams in there you've got you know 
to one or two Mountain West teams, but generally these are all power conferences. So we'll have to we'll have to see about what happens with them. Um, I, I'm curious, like, wh- what do you think this does, Bryce? We can start with you. What do you think this does to West Coast basketball generally? Like, do you think t- does college basketball college basketball is pretty regional still um i think the way the college football used to be obviously i think there's been pushes to make it more national by making everything about the ncaa tournament uh to a lesser extent for women but definitely for men uh what do you what do you feel like happens to west coast college basketball uh you know it's it's really tbd uh, i guess that's kind of the best answer i got i feel like um, this is going to hit the recruiting game really hard. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I already thought we were in for like an all time bad UW basketball season, uh, on both sides probably. But, um, I think this might be just the death. Like, I don't think UW can survive in the big 10 at all. I, I, I think get a new coach, whatever. I just don't know that that's a program that can really like stay afloat in, in the big 10. Not that I think the big 10 is particularly good, but the big 10 is full of depth. Like, the Big Ten, every team in the Big Ten is at least okay. And as soon as you add a team in there that's actively bad, they're going to just drown. So I think that'll become a mess. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think of teams, you know, U, USC and UCLA, especially USC, will still be kind of hubs for these like West Coast recruits, right? But after that, I think you're going to see a lot more, I, you're going to see a lot more kind of spread out, I think, across. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of kids that don't want to travel as much as these kids are going to be forced to travel. Like I, I know plenty of dudes who I played with in high school who were not, who would not have joined a team if it meant they were going to have to fly to and from New Jersey and Indiana every other time. Like they would rather go, you know, play for a smaller, but you know, better or similar level of talent school like St. Mary's and only have to kind of stay in this area. And especially, you know, so many guys have to go get into the league. The league notices now. Like, I mean, we've seen too many guys drafted from the WCC and the Mountain West to really be too caught up in, you know, oh, I have to go power, you know, four now, soon to be power three, soon to be power two, soon to be ESPN North and Fox South or whatever. Like, it's just... Uh, you know, eventually it's, uh, I think it's, I think we're going to start to see more parity in the recruiting game, but I don't know that we will ever see, um, you know, one of these power schools on the West Coast. Like, I guess how I want to put this is I don't know that we'll ever see like a UCLA team as good as that one that we just saw. Right. Like I, I may, maybe that's like hyperbole, but like, I just, I mean, I always think, I already think Mick Cronin has his troubles recruiting and, um, I think this this makes it harder. Uh, it's going to force him to rely even more on international guys, which you know can be a bit fraught, uh, depending on you know what type of guys you can really pull. And um, I, I just think like the deter- the returns might diminish. It's more spread out. Um, you're you're really losing that regionality. You know, is Oregon really going to struggle to recruit because that's even longer flights? That's even tougher to to really manage. So um, I. I I think it's going to be really tough for these teams to kind of sw- to, to survive. And I think we're going to see them, you know, sink or swim pretty early in their new conferences. I'm really curious to see what they, I mean, we can move to how they will do in their new conferences. I can start with who we think is better off here. And I, and I don't know, I, I'm go back and forth with you with UCLA. I think UCLA basketball is one of the programs I would pick to be 
better off. I think the Big Ten, and I think you'd agree, Bryce, pretty overrated. Um, they don't um, they, they don't have any truly elite teams. They haven't had any of those teams for a few years now. They've got, I guess, a good number of decent teams, but in general, I sort of feel like the there's if Arizona joined the Big Ten, Arizona would be the best program and the top dog in the Big Ten immediately. And UCLA's primary rival is Arizona, and UCLA and Arizona are about equal. Um, I would say Oregon probably would step in and be one of the better programs in the Pac-12. James, our homie James, is in the chat <laughs> jokingly, but not really saying that they'd probably be the third best pra- basketball program in the Big Ten. He's probably not wrong. Um, I-, I think UCLA has the benefit of, is in the weird position now of coming into a situation where they can easily run the, not easily, but fairly reasonably run the conference with a potentially weaker competition, but also like more hype, right? We we've seen every single year for how many years, uh, big 10 basketball gets a ton of hype. Uh, it gets a ton of, gets a ton of the benefit of the doubt come selection Sunday. Uh, we see so often, uh, big 10 basketball programs are ranked in the top 25 are, picked to be top four seeds, like on and on and on and on. All the while, they never perform as well as they do against uh, competition outside the Big Ten. So I am of the opinion that UCLA may be able to get more hype in a maybe a weaker conference, which is weird to say, but I feel like they they could they could benefit. To your point, though, Bryce, recruiting's going to be weird. Um, and, you know, uh, Reed kind of fairly actually poo-pooed the travel problems uh, in in Pac-12 football because they only have to travel once a week. But Pac-12 basketball, those teams have to travel two times. They've got two schools to fit in 30 games uh, or 20 games or however however many they're playing. And the vast majority of those are going to be cross-country now. Um, that's tough. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right about that. You're probably adding an extra day on each side to travel. Yeah. So, you know, generally, uh, you know, say you have a, a Friday game, you'll leave Thursday in the morning. So you miss two days of school. You know, that, that tends to be a bit more palatable when you're leaving on Wednesday morning and you're missing three days of school and you're doing that, you know, six, seven weeks, you know, every other week for six, seven weeks. Like that gets to be like a real problem. Like, like not only like can it mess with your grades, can it make that stuff harder to keep up? Like, you know, there are plenty of people who can't do homework on a plane. Uh, yeah. But I also just think like it's hard to like not have time to rest. Like there's been a lot of research uh, with all sports, but I've, I've always obviously focused mostly on basketball that like one of the most important things for like athletes, mental and physical health is like proper rest. And that includes being in a place that feels somewhat like home, like a relaxing you know, when you're in a hotel, just generally, like some people obviously can't, but like it's hard to relax. It's hard to fully like completely veg out and, and feel nothing because you're, you always just have this weird thought that you're not in your own bed. And I think that's going to be hard. And, and that's the type of thing that might not, not always kill recruiting, but I think it can make a lot of other things hard. And, um, you know, I, I just, I'm with you in general, right? You mentioned the Big Ten being overrated. I can't explain it in like proper basketball terms, which, <laughs> <laughs> annoys me to no end because I always try, 
But it feels like every single coach in the Big Ten has had a handshake agreement to just play the most disgusting type of basketball <laughs> you can so that no team in the conference is actually really good, but no team is so bad that, you know, like their Ken Palm ratings all going to look really good, right? Like, <laughs> rankings or whatever. Like, and, like, it, they all tend to be very one way. Like, if you – it just in, like in terms of their style, not only is their numbers, but like their style, like Purdue, very offensive heavy team. Indiana is, I guess I would say offense heavy, even though they don't like their offense is disgusting. Like it's just I don't, like <laughs> I UCLA think, might fit in pretty well. Yeah, Mick Cronin that's, will love this. this is, so, so that's the joke I, I've been making is that you take a conference with the ugliest forms of basketball imaginable and you add three of the ugliest offenses and probably the three ugliest <laughs> offenses in the Pac-12. Well, Three of the four, because Arizona State's not joining the Big Ten. Um, but you add UCLA, completely disgusting offense, uh, very you know point to point, and very reliant on guys kind of uh, taking that step up. You had UC, UC, USC's um, you know 1980s chin offense, and then you add <laughs> uh, UW's whatever. I don't even, no, nothing. They don't do anything. Um, you know, I think Oregon is like, they're a fun offense. Even if I think uh, Dana Altman is definitely like, he overcoaches a lot. Um, I think he tries too hard to like run a ton of sets, even though he has guys who don't need a ton of sets. But um, I think like in general, you have, I, I think Oregon will be in a good spot in this conference just because they're one team that's going to come in and play way differently than everyone else. Like, even you think of, like, teams with, like, the most free-flowing offenses in the Big Ten. You think Iowa, you think Michigan. Those are very, like, very rigid in specific ways. And while I do think that Altman overcoaches, he does run this, like, spread kind of ball movement heavy system that I think is going to really work. Um, You know, it's too bad. I'm. This is maybe a hot take, but I think Shellstad will be gone by the time they get to the Big Ten. But he he would murder the Big Ten. Um, I, you know, that's the type of guy who, uh, and, and Oregon's good at recruiting those guys, like good small guards tend to really excel in the big 10. Um, so I don't know, like, I think UCLA will be fine. Recruiting will be harder for them to get in-state recruits, but I think we've kind of seen Cronin go away from that anyways, because Cronin wants guys that are going to stay. Um, and you know, that's why he wants the overseas guys who can't seek NIL money. Um, USC, I think is probably going to at least early on, maybe do even better in recruiting. Like uh, this might not be the last year they get a number one overall recruit uh, just because you add it. Like they're already in the heart of LA, obviously, and, and they can already get these big recruits and feels a hell of a recruiter for these top talent guys. Uh, all of a sudden, it's like you mentioned, they're, they're a consistent top 25 team, even though they're the same caliber of team they were in the Pac-12, but now they're in the Big Ten. They're a top 25 team. And all of a sudden, getting you know Isaiah Collier becomes even easier. So that wouldn't surprise me. Um, I think UW is going to drown, like I said earlier. Um, you know, and I don't know if you want me to go into the Big Twelve yet, but in general, like I, I could see, I could see UCLA and Oregon being consistently like two of the top four teams in the Big Ten. But I also think they will both get worse while being two of the top four teams in the Big Ten. Yeah, it's interesting. It's good arguments either way for both of those being in a better spot, maybe being potentially in a slightly worse off spot. Greg, what about you? Are there any teams, either the Four Corners or the Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA? We've got to find a name for them. We get the Four Corners and something else. Um, do you? Which of those teams do you think might be in a better position? I think 
I mean, Arizona fans were desperate for the Big 12 move, you know? I think yeah. I think they're pretty happy about that because they get to play basketball on a bigger stage and they're a basketball school. So, like, good for them. I think this will be good for them. They don't have the trans... I guess it'll be good for them in that... I, I don't know if they'll be able to dominate like they have for the most of their time in the Pac-12, you know, uh, with except for you know that 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 few years where they weren't quite as good uh post sean miller controversy crimes but i think arizona is <laughs> gonna have a lot of fun in the big 12 they get to go into a conference with blue bloods in kansas and i guess they're definitely a top tier program like right historically now, good yeah, one yeah it's just that they had you know, a couple. They had a long drought, but I think you can count them as that. And then you've got Baylor. It's just a great basketball conference, and I think Arizona will be happy to be there. And they don't have the travel issues that uh, that UCLA and the Northwest schools will have because the Big the the Big Twelve is a lot more. It makes way more sense regionally than the Big Ten. It's still a little weird with UCF and West Virginia, but outside of that, it makes sense. Uh, so. Arizona has that going for them. I think they're the biggest winner of any team. Yeah, that's. I think that's that's a. You mentioned this earlier before. It's kind of a hot take, right? Because Arizona is going to, I think, by far a more difficult basketball conference. They will be again. They're not. They're they are used to playing with a blue blood uh, as they do with UCLA. They'll have another blue blood to contend with in Kansas. A blue blood that, frankly, has been a better program for longer and more consistently uh ucla has been there and and been one of the top 10 programs in the country over the past 10 20 whatever years but kansas has been one of the top four um over that same span so that will be a bit of a i don't know a bit of a downgrade i guess I, i think they could absolutely beat um they could absolutely beat kansas i'm not saying they couldn't i think they could absolutely take it back a big 12 title um, but you know, I think it will be, it will be tougher, but there's also other programs in the big 12 too, like talked about TCU, like emerging with Jamie Dixon there. They feel like they're going to be there for a while. Uh, I, Iowa state's been pretty good sometimes <laughs> Fun stat um, with uh, big 12 quality. Uh, if you look at the new big 12, two bottom teams in terms of net are BYU and Utah, like, and Utah was like a mid upper, like barely like slightly above average Pac-12 team the worst team in the Big 12 except for BYU like it's a murderous conference yeah let's let's move on to who we think is worse off and I want to start us off here because our homie Benjamin Burroughs uh wrote something he's at Rumbling Buffalo if you're at the homie uh we're we're reading your stuff uh he makes a great argument that Colorado basketball could suffer considerably might be the most disadvantaged because they have had the benefit over the past 10 years of being in a slightly weaker conference and looking pretty good. Uh, They've been a consistent top four ish program in the PAC 12. Tad Boyle has had, had that thing of being 20 win Tad for um, a while now. Uh, And soon he will be gone and Colorado will be in the one of the best conferences in the entire country um he wrote something up uh, on his blog rumblingbuff.blogspot.com it's a it was a great piece i thought that just kind of told it from the perspective of a fan of, of how as a basketball fan 
it it could really hurt uh, Colorado. So I am really curious to see how Colorado adjusts to this. They've been a good basketball team. They have. They've had a good basketball program. It's been definitely a strength between that and their football team. So I I think they they could really fall off. They could go from consistent contender for an NCAA tournament bid to being in the bottom quarter of a conference. So I don't know what y'all's answer is or if y'all agree, but that's that's sort of my pick for who might be who might be worse off. Buffalo's uh, Buffalo, sorry, Colorado's definitely um, you know an interesting pick there and. They're a team that I think as long as Tad is there, I think can still, even in the Big 12, be competitive. I actually think it would, it would help their, um, their recruiting a little bit to to be in the Big 12. But um, I actually think there's also a sneaky argument for Arizona to not be the worst off, but to be a little worse off. Um, because as I look through the Big 12, I think, you know, obviously you have the legends, right, with Kelvin Sampson at Houston, Bill Self at Kansas, uh, to those types of teams. But I also think like there's quite a few teams I would call on the rise. You know, I look at Iowa State. You mentioned TCU, uh, Kansas State, definitely on the rise. And I think there's a chance that entering this new conference, I would rank Tommy Lloyd as the ninth best head coach. Whoa. And, oh, I, you say that, but I, I mean, just to go through it quickly. Samson, who will be you know succeeded mm-hmm. by his son, who generally has positive reviews, and I think is a fine bet to still be good. Uh, Bill Self, um, Drone Tang, Scott Drew, uh, Jimmy Dixon, T.J. Olsenberger. Those are yeah, all guys. Those are great almost, names. Yeah, big names. Tough. Comfortably have above because I'm still. We had this conversation when we were talking about the NCAA tournament. Very unsold on Lloyd because I think like. He he's managed to get some really good guys who could really execute that like up tempo scheme. The classes he's kind of brought in afterwards, I think, are a lot more questionable. Next year's recruiting class looks good for him, but I'm not even like I think the RSCI rankings might oversell how good that class is a little bit. Um, I, I you know I think this year's team might be kind of middling if I'm being completely honest. Like. Uh, you know, Kylan Boswell, I still think is kind of unready to actually run a team. He's not a very good passer. Um, you have, uh, you know, Henry Vassar is going to take a big roll jump. Like, are they really going to rely on Pell Larson to be their like go-to star? Like, what does that look like? I mean, <laughs> I, mean I just, and, and I don't think, I think when, you know, when push comes to shove with a lot of these coaches, they're going to be able to slow Arizona down and we've seen when teams can slow Arizona down Arizona really show even WSU did that really well uh when they beat them at Arizona slowed them down and you know you're not gonna be able to run on Houston like uh, that just doesn't happen no one gets to run on Houston um and then when you have to come up with more creative half court sets than just running pick and pop to a high low I I don't know like Tommy Lloyd has proven he can really do that that's like and and his defenses are not particularly creative either and so I just I, I don't want to completely write him off, but when he enters a conference where he's going to be, like I said, maybe the eighth or ninth or you know maybe even tenth best coach, like all of a sudden I get really scared for what Arizona might look like. It's 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 an interesting move. I think that is the one. I mean, really, of all the teams, football and basketball, like of all the teams in their new conferences, I'm most curious to see what happens with Arizona basketball. Um, that's the one where it's like, 
wow, this has been a consistently top tier program for a while. And they go to a much, much better conference. Uh, going to be super interesting. Greg, you got an answer. Who do you think might be worse off in realignment, post realignment? I think it's clear. Uh, I think it's not close. And as depressing as this is to say, I think Utah's fucked. They're so fucked. Um, (laughs) I remember what happened when Utah left the Mountain West and joined the Pac-12 in basketball. And you know what happened? Four wins. Four wins is what happened. (laughs) (laughs) This is maybe not quite as big of a jump, but it is a similar jump in terms of competition that Utah's going to go through. And they're just... They're going to be a bottom two team in the best conference in in college basketball, which is just terrible. Um, yeah, uh, the like the team that you know in terms of net this last year, and maybe maybe UCF falls down to earth. I have really no idea what their program is like. Maybe Taylor Hendricks was boosting them a lot this last year, but like Utah and BYU are going to probably be competing for those bottom spots a lot. And BYU's basketball program has just been better recently, and with the money that they have available for NIL for the basketball program, I'm very worried about Utah. Like, it's just not going to be fun. Uh, maybe Utah could recapture some of that rich history like Avery's mentioning in the comments. Uh, I'm not optimistic. You need a coach who can recruit better than Craig Smith can if you're going to do that, especially going into the No, it's not. Uh, it is not looking good at all. I feel like Utah. It's been sad to watch what hap- what has happened to Utah basketball as a program with a good amount of tradition. Honestly, uh, a great profile. As football has taken off, as football has become a power, it feels like the inverse is happening with basketball. Maybe those th- two things aren't related. Um, and now, yeah, they're going to a much much better basketball conference. I-, I wanted to piggyback on some that Bryce said earlier which is Washington. Uh, they do not give a shit about that <laughs> basketball team. <laughs> That's a really good point. It might be Washington. Uh, and, you know, I don't think that, I think you're right, Bryce. You said this earlier. The Big Ten doesn't have any crazy good teams, but they have, they, they're more deep for sure. They're competent at the very least. Washington has none of that. Um, and there you haven't, there's a good chance they enter they come into the Big Ten with <laughs> Mike Hopkins as their head coach. That would be a fucking disaster for them. Uh, now, Washington doesn't care. They probably don't think that the basketball will bring them in any money. So what do they give a fuck? But, um, you know, they are also fucked. I think they are in a really shitty position. So I'm curious to see what they what they do because they have to... They, they've got to invest in the basketball program if they ever wanted to be good again. And who knows? Maybe the Big Ten, the extra Big Ten money? What am I talking about? They're really not getting that much extra money. Um, but who knows? Maybe the extra $7 million they're getting a year will help them fund a new basketball coach. Probably not. They'll probably just stick with Mike Hopkins until he, until he decides to retire. So... <laughs> you know i'm obviously a UW hater right like as just a you know as a <laughs> as a as a wc fan it's just how it goes especially like nothing has made me hate them more than how their fans have reacted to their big 10 move but um but it's too bad because like i'm also a big you know a big fan of like washington high school hoops like that's something that really matters to me i really follow closely with seattle rotary and and you know all these other great programs with Bochamp Elite just had, you know, a really great player in Zoom Diallo and like watching them like not be able to keep 
really great talent in the West Coast has been kind of sad. Like that's something that you know, like Paolo Bancaro should have never ever gone to Duke, and it's only going to continue. Like they like they are going to lose out on every big recruit they could possibly get because no one wants to play for Mike Hopkins. No one want to play for his successor because they don't invest in it and get good coaches. Um, it's just it's it's a mess, and uh, you know I I I I hope Hopkins doesn't survive to that because I I think we're in for like maybe an all time blow up season this year. But uh, maybe maybe Wesley Yates is just good enough to carry him. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird. It's weird, and it's kind of sad. But yeah. it's also funny. Yeah. Uh, other teams we didn't really get to talk about. We didn't. Uh, we talked a little bit about Oregon. Them potentially being one of the one of the better programs in the Big Ten, but didn't quite get there. Bryce, you mentioned USC. I think another school that we didn't really get to touch on is Arizona State. I don't know. I mean, they're probably screwed too. Um, uh, they've brought in some great talent, and honestly, Bobby Hurley is, and and him basically saying like, "Yeah, let's just roll the ball out there, and uh, you know, well, you can come here and play whatever kind of basketball you want." Maybe that's enough to keep Arizona State punching in, right? The, when you have the talent that Arizona State brings in, that Bobby Hurley brings in, you have a chance. But who knows how long that'll last. Played well against um, TCU in the tournament. That was a fun game. That's true. Great game. Fantastic game. I don't know, Bryce. I what will do you say, think? I, I, yeah, I think that's a bit of a misnomer because I actually think Hurley, like, he's another guy who weirdly overcoaches, despite obviously Devin Cambridge and like guys like that. It seems like they get to do it. <laughs> That's all they have. It feels like <laughs> it seems like they get to do whatever they want. But like for me, I, when I look at the roster, he's built, it's like, Oh, it's okay. It's obvious run spread, pick and roll with Frankie Collins and Warren Washington. But no, instead they were like, let's make sure we run. Everything as a dribble handoff, despite <laughs> Warren Washington, not being able to bit. Uh, he's not a big who can actually do the dribble part. Of the dribble handoff, he's an impressive <laughs> role man. Like and Frankie Collins like, can't shoot. <laughs> yeah, so you're so no, I mean exactly right. So like you're you're running all these actions to run all these DHOs out of chin stuff, and you're getting nowhere because you can just go way under on a Frankie Collins DHO, and like it, it's you know like if it was free basketball and it was all isolation, that probably would have looked better than what he actually ran, which was a <laughs> lot of like really like misused chin stuff and like you're right like he gets good talent i think collins is a stud like he's really fun to watch he obviously had a really fun game against ccu or uh was that against ccu or was that in the play-in game uh nevada yeah um for he like he had a really fun game but like you know des cambridge was obviously you know so fun but Kamari Lands will probably do that a little bit. Jemiah Neal is the next guy who's just good. you're going to yeah. watch him. Yep. Like, oh, okay. Yep. Bobby Hurley lets these dudes do whatever they want. <laughs> well, we saw that from him last year too. <laughs> yes, yes. He even showed that like he was one of the dudes who walked in like he, with the little bit he played like as a freshman. He showed that a little bit. Like, <laughs> he was okay, just like, I, like, I'm taking this shot. This is my turn. Yeah. <laughs> He's, he, you know, like like there was a one more pass to a wide open guy in the court. He's like, actually, let me like double behind the back fake tween oh i'm gonna get to the rim and it just blows the layup it's truly an all-time basketball player but no they're gonna be they're i think they're gonna be in a really bad spot for a while and, <laughs> you know i hope like that i will say the thing about being in the big 12 is it does feel like it tends to attract better coaches forever like like iowa state is not a team you expect to be as good as they are but they managed to grab tj altsenberger who's just like a fucking great coach like he's just really good at the you know he everything he's a great recruiter he's great at you know, making his defense work for his players. Obviously he runs kind of a no middle, but like, it's just something that uh, I hope Arizona state will eventually find the right guy. I don't think it's Bobby Hurley, but he is at least a consummate recruiter. And maybe that could keep them from being just like 
a complete drag at the bottom of the big. Yeah. I'm really curious to see what what uh, what rivalries uh, Bobby Hurley starts with what school. Sam Whiteley, our homie Sam Whiteley of the um, Peyton Years podcast, they cover Oregon State basketball. It's been really interesting to hear their perspective. Um, uh, you know, which back to, he, he put here in the comments, uh, a Big 12 fan will run onto the court and char- choke Bobby Hurley. I'm curious who to know which uh, which team hates Bobby Hurley the most. It's going to be very interesting. <laughs> Um, and those fans are super online too. So maybe it's true for basketball. I don't know. I'm curious to see what, what rivalries emerge generally. I feel like it's going to be a BYU. It's going to be a BYU fan. Yeah. Let's be, be, let's be be right. Oh, yes. Going to be super interesting. All right. Well, if no one has anything else, let, uh, let's end it there. That's our show. Thank you so much, Bryce, for coming on to join us to talk Pac-12 basketball. Uh, no thanks to Greg. He's always here. This is your job. I'm not going to thank you for doing your job. Uh, three that's episodes it. today. <laughs> uh, we'll be back. Shout at out our... Greg. Greg, I love you. Thank you, Bryce. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> we'll be back at our normal time on Sunday at 9 a.m. talking Pac-12 football. We're going to actually preview the 2023 season fucking finally just gonna put this realignment stuff behind us for now at least until we figure out what happens with the remaining pack four schools but for now that's greg that's bryce i'm carlos thank you for tuning in on youtube thank you to our podcast listeners out there for joining us and remember there are no truck stops here there, there are eight truck stops here. <laughs> Superstar